This is the reality. Hello there. Welcome to the reality. It's so good to be with you once again to share a story of a life touched and changed for the good, for good, by the reality of Jesus Christ. I'm Dudley Anderson. It's so good to be with you once again. The Reality is a half-hour talk show produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. Please find out more at our website, surereality.net, or drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. In her memoir, Prayed Upon, Amy Nordhuis recounts her story of abuse, escape, and ultimate healing. Suffering from depression, Amy sought the counsel of a Christian therapist who was an elder in her church. Sadly, however, this therapist violated his professional code by grooming Amy for sexual exploitation. I had no idea that I was being groomed. I had no idea that anything was amiss. He offered me a foot rub or a shoulder rub for a Christmas present. Just did everything I could to understand it. And I thought, you know, the problem must lie with me if I'm this uncomfortable. So that's kind of what we do, you know, as victims. It's like we figure that the, uh, the discomfort has to stem from something in us. Anyway, so he, he continued to lure me in, and at the very end, which was July of 2014, it was just sexual assault. Whether it's writing, speaking, or photography, Amy hopes to point people towards the source of all hope, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I spoke with Amy Nordius via Skype for today's The Reality. Well, it really is good to be able to speak to Amy North Hughes today on The Reality. What an amazing story, uh, Amy, read through your book, uh, your memoir, telling us about uh, a dreadful experience you had at the hand of your therapist. What was your story? Around April 2013, I was attending a new church. I was attending Celebrate Recovery and gaining some healing and working on my issues with my anger towards God and things from past sexual abuse and um, the death of my sister in 2010. And my faith was really coming alive for me. And I was really, you know, excited and on fire for Jesus. And um, I had a lot of friends from Celebrate Recovery in my new church that were seeing this therapist and the um, pastor's wife was my mentor um, in Celebrate Recovery and she recommended him. And so I went to him um, just because everybody just raved about him, thinking, you know, this will be my last kind of attempt at um, ridding myself of depression that I've always struggled with and and dealing with this past sexual abuse. And really the way it came about, I just felt like it was a God thing that I was meant to be there because not only was he a therapist and a psychiatrist, but he was an elder at my church. And so that was what excited me the most is that he was um, a Christian leader and knew so much about the Bible. So, I started seeing him for counseling and just working on issues in my marriage and parenting and, like I said, lingering depression. He started out every session in prayer in the beginning and um, always bragged that he never took off his cross necklace and was a member of the prayer team. And so we started the therapy process, and it was an unusual therapy process. If you've uh, read the book, you realize that, that he kept it mostly in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. So... You know, when he said I had multiple personalities, I knew that I didn't have multiple personalities, but he put it kind of on a spiritual level where kind of everybody could have this. And so I just thought it was trauma trapped at different ages. And so the whole gist of it was 
really searching for these parts and then having God come into these broken places mm. at these different ages, praying that the Holy Spirit remove any evil that would be present with them. So, this is what we were doing. Mm. And I had no idea that I was being groomed. I had no idea that anything was amiss. And it was probably not until December that something was startling to me, and that was he offered me a foot rub or a shoulder rub for a Christmas present. Mm -hmm. And obviously that was terrifying. But, you know, with my history of past abuse, I just felt like no was not an option. And... So, in my panic, I picked, I think, shoulders, and then the minute he started to rub my shoulders, I said, or feet, feet, feet rub, you know, just to get him back. And, you know, I just did everything I could to understand it, and I thought, you know, the problem must lie with me if I'm this uncomfortable. Like, he, he's just rubbing my feet. He's like a father figure. I've been talking to him now for, what, seven months, eight months. I'm comfortable with him. He's mm-hmm. safe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's maybe he offered this because I mentioned that I always had my sisters rub my feet. That's probably why he even brought it up. And so that's kind of what we do, you know, as victims. It's like we minimize it and we try to rationalize it. And we try to we figure that the uh, the discomfort has to stem from something in us. And because, you know, a doctor and a church elder, they wouldn't be doing something inappropriate. Right. So it must be something in us that makes us uncomfortable. So. I eventually rationalized it and just got kind of just got through it, and then it became commonplace, and then it was no big deal. Hmm. And he, he even continued to rub my feet for sessions after that. And I thought it was great that he felt more comfortable with me, that I was more special to him, that I was more like a daughter than a client. And anyway, so he he continued to lure me in. That was, you know, that was just one way he the physical into the relationship but he was luring me you know in emotional ways and in spiritual ways and making me feel sorry for him and um making me feel special giving me longer sessions and so i found myself extremely attached so you know when it came towards um the spring of the following year when he started to kind of up his game you know and you know, his moves, like, um, eventually he found out a way to sit close to me, sit mm-hmm. next to me. Mm-hmm. He pretended to comfort me when I was crying, you know, and weaseled his way over there. And then eventually I found myself, you know, terrified, yet I couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that God gave me this person. Um, I thought he was a blessing. I thought he was a gift from God. And so my, my cry kind of in my prayer became, God, are you telling me to get out or is Satan telling me trying to take away something that's good that you gave me? So I was very confused. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's just so many layers that go into the grooming process and, you know, you feel, um, you feel attached and you like feeling special, but you also feel too guilty to leave because they've done things to make you feel indebted and you know he made himself seem fragile and you know it would kill him if i left and they play on your empathy Hmm. um so and i and i'm skipping over you know a lot of the the details of the assault but basically it kind of it got to a place where i thought okay he's just emotionally being inappropriate i've got to get out of here but then 
at the very end, which was July of 2014, it was just sexual assault. And um, I just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe, I thought he was a father figure. And I just kind of was like sitting back out of my body watching, thinking, I can't believe this is even happening. And I still, some part of me thought, I can fix this. You know, he'll stop. When he realizes he's hurting me, he'll stop, and then it can go back to being good and safe. However, it had never been good and safe. Mm. And it wasn't until I got out that I realized that that it was all manipulation. It had started on day one, and that I meant nothing, and I had never been special, and he had never cared, and it was all a game. And I was able to get out. Um, I tried to get out on my own, and I couldn't. I just ended up staying longer but I was so embarrassed and so ashamed and so afraid, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to lose my marriage when I didn't think I even did anything wrong, but yet I did something horribly wrong, but I didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand, you know, if I couldn't understand it, how could I explain it to someone else? And so I was, I went to my pastor's wife and then I eventually told both she and her husband, the pastor and, and they, my pastor believed me, at least I think he acted as if he did and asked what I needed to get out. And I said, I just need you to sit with me for one session. My sessions were three hours long at this point. And I said, he'll call me and I'll cave or he'll cry and I'll I'll just, I'll cave and I'll want to go back. So they sat with me for the three hours and the doctor called like nine times in the first two hours. And I even found myself starting to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Um but that was how I was able to break the tie of not returning. It took many more months before I could really break the attachment that I still had. It was so bizarre being attached to someone that I knew was hurting me, but yet I could I would compartmentalize it and he would also be the one comforting me mm-hmm. and the one hurting me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just baffling to me. Um, gave me a new appreciation and understanding for you know, a, a domestic violence situation and a where there's the the luring in and then the hurting and the luring back in process. And I really never thought I could even be susceptible to that, but I was. And about a week after I had a pre-planned trip to Canada with a friend, which was just a blessing. And it was, and it was while I was there that I just kind of started putting all the pieces together and and realizing, oh my gosh, I think, I think this went back to this date. Oh my gosh, no, it went back to the very beginning. You know, this is this was manipulation. And I eventually went to the medical board and had a good experience with them. And they they took his license. They allowed him to surrender it permanently in my state. And then I eventually filed a civil suit, um, which took about three years. But it was the only avenue to justice that I had um, because I was informed that it's not criminal what he did in my state. It is in half of the states in the half of the states in the United States um, have laws against therapist abuse, but mine did not. Mm -hmm. I went to him because I just never could really shake depression in my life. And it just was like, I could never get rid of it. No matter what I did, I tried therapy. I tried antidepressants. I tried prayer and I felt like the way that it came to be, I felt like it was a God thing that I was working with him and this was going to kind of be my final quest towards ridding myself of this depression that Mm -hmm. stemmed from 
past childhood sexual abuse, sexual abuse over my lifetime by I had many instances of it over my lifetime, um, struggle with my marriage and just trying and just issues surrounding parenting. That is what brought me back. There. Okay. All right. Brought me to his office. Okay. So he was a, he's a qualified therapist, a doctor, and you trusted him, uh, a man of God. So you thought uh, an elder in your church and, and you put your trust in him. Uh, just a, a very quick question, if I may just throw it in at this point, Amy. Um, if you find yourself in a similar situation and you once again need to go to a therapist, how would you trust your new therapist? Well, it is difficult, but I have more awareness now of what to look for. And I also have worked on my self-esteem, you know, so that I'm not as easy a target. But that's hard for that's a hard answer because you go to a therapist because you have low Mm self-esteem, right? Um. I just chose to trust again because I knew I needed the help and I just really didn't want to stay stuck in anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. So I just pushed myself and ventured back out there and did find another therapist who was ethical and kind but it isn't easy. Mm, it's well just imagine. sort of a decision that I had to make. Yes, yes. You know the old saying once bitten twice shy. So um, you you had past abuse, and and he was trying to rationalize this. He's trying to work you through it. But, uh, you know, in your book, you mentioned, as you did just now, uh, that he diagnosed you with multiple personalities. In your book, he gives those personalities names. Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, my gosh. It was horrifying. Um, I was fine with the experience of he called it multiple personalities. I'm a psychology major. I know I don't have multiple personalities, but... I thought that it more meant just finding different ages in my past where I had extreme trauma. And I was fine with that. And so I think the first one that I um, bring to his attention is when I was around the age of 13. And it was just describe yourself at that age. And I did. And kind of what was going on at that time. My mom was very sick and I was molested by a priest at that time. Mm And so we talked about that. And, you know, it was bringing Jesus into that broken space. But then after all of that, he, I was horrified when he said, well, what are we going to name her? And I thought, oh my gosh, we're naming them. (laughs) It was really embarrassing and Mm. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing that I did before with the other things is just Amy just can give them a name. It's not that big of a deal, you know, but it was so embarrassing. So I just picked like my favorite girl's name and my daughter's middle name. Mm -hmm. But then he started speaking to that part of me with that name. And that was very, very awkward and embarrassing. Um, Again, I got used to it. Mm. I just accepted it as part of the process. I never named any of the other parts. Um, He, he took that, he took that over. And I have, you know, since understood that he was more interested in young girls than he was adults. Mm. And I'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. But I didn't understand all of that while we were doing it and why he was so interested in it and why he chose the names and why he even called me at home and asked to speak to a certain young part by that name. Now, that's awkward and Mm. embarrassing. Yeah, It's embarrassing for me to even admit that I went along with it, but it went so slowly and it was kind of in a spiritual realm that it really seemed like it was doing good for me and that I was gaining some healing because for me, it was just 
picking different ages where I had different traumas and inviting Jesus into that space. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand. But yes, it was, it was weird. You are listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. We value your prayers and support very much. You can help us touch millions of people with the reality of Christ by becoming a vision partner. Visit surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surereality.net. Listen again to The Reality on our podcasts at surereality.net. If you've just clicked on in or tuned in to us, thank you so much for joining us. This is The Reality. My name is Dudley Anderson, so good to be with you once again. Just to remind you, if you'd like to know more about this radio program, please write me an email, dudley at surereality.net. I'd love to hear from you. Well, today on The Reality, we're talking with author and speaker Amy Nordhuis. Amy has shared how she'd been sexually abused as a child and how eventually she found Jesus as her personal Lord and Saviour. Though saved and serving Christ, Amy continued to suffer with bouts of depression and anxiety because of her childhood abuse. A psychiatrist was recommended to her as a professional counsellor, and it was suggested that she consult with him to help her to deal with the past hurts in her life and the resulting depression. This man was a Christian and an elder in her church. Amy took him on as her therapist. Unfortunately, however, this man had ulterior motives, and he began grooming Amy for sexual exploitation. After some time, he made advances toward her and took advantage of her. This man was like a father figure to Amy. She was seriously hurt by the incident, emotionally, psychologically, and physically. Thankfully, Amy did not conceal the abuse, but she sought the help of her pastor. Eventually, with legal counsel, Amy was to receive justice. This type of exploitation undertaken by professional people whose confidence is respected is vile and violating. We need to all be on our guard against such grooming and report it as soon as we become aware of it. If anything that we've said today has struck a chord in your heart or you find yourself in a similar situation that Amy did, please contact me, dudley at surereality.net. Write me an email, dudley at surereality.net or contact this radio station. Only the loving counsel of God's Holy Spirit can rescue us and heal us of past hurts. God's word says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Nevertheless, the Holy Spirit also works through godly men and women who offer love and care to others for their well-being through counsel. We pray for integrity and goodness for every godly therapist listening up today. So let's pick up our conversation once again with Amy Nordhuis to hear how Jesus rescued her and healed her. And so, Amy, you've just shared with us an amazing story of uh, an abuse that you went through at the hand of your therapist and uh, and an elder of a church, and how tragic that is. And you know, it's it's a warning to to people who who work in these environments uh, to keep themselves in integrity, to walk in truth, and, and not allow themselves to fall prey to to this kind of abuse. But um, Jesus stepped into your life and He healed you. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, about a week after I got out of the abuse, like I said, I had this pre-planned vacation in Canada, and it was just a wonderful time. Um, I say wonderful. It was the worst time of my life 
but I had the most wonderful encounter with God um, during that week because I was so broken and so desperate for him that it was just sort of he and I, and he was all I had. He was the only one I trusted. And I just cried out to him and just begged him for forgiveness for everything that had just happened. And he just showed up for me in a really powerful way. He sent me kind of an angel of sorts that had just um, a young girl around my age who had just gone through a similar experience of Mm -hmm. her own. And we were both into photography and we were both new believers and we were both kind of seeing God in nature. And she told me that the, uh, that God showers her with hearts in nature and she photographs them. And I thought that was so awesome. And she took me to a few beaches in, in the area and showed me where one of those first pictures, you know, where God showed her one of those hearts for the first time. And I said, oh my gosh, that, you know, no fair, I want one. And <laughs> God just showered me. I mean, that was that was literally my prayer. No fair, I want one. And God just started showering me with amazing hearts in nature. And I'm talking beautiful, you know, in the waves and the sky and rocks. And I just photographed them mm. and talked to God for three days. And, you know, he, he just built me up and loved on me because he knew what I had to come home and deal with. I hadn't told my husband. I hadn't told anyone. I, I didn't even know if my life... I just, I didn't even know if I was going to have a life when I got home. So he did that for me. And so when I came home, I had to, you know, begin all these hard steps. And I told my husband everything. And we began, you know, that tumultuous process of healing. And my husband eventually did understand, of course, that I was uh, wanting a father figure and that I was duped in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And the healing process really for me, you know, there were a lot of things I did. But one of the biggest ones was addressing that core issue of self-hatred and shame that I'd carried since childhood. And I knew that if I didn't deal with that, that I was going to, you know, remain Mm. um, susceptible, you know, to Mm. other predators. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, because I like to write, I guess, I wrote love letters from God to myself and I just kind of, and in the, it was in the form of poetry. And I just sort of, you know, poured out everything to him. You know, look what I allowed, but look what a terrible person I am. But, you know, and just let him speak to me the way that I knew he would speak to me based on the truths in the Bible, even if I didn't feel it. Hmm. I just went ahead and just wrote it over and over and over to myself. And eventually I could feel a shift. And that was really where the true healing came was, um, really accepting and seeing myself in his eyes. Mm, mm. And God's word, no doubt, had, a, had an impact. You know, God's word is a healing balm. It heals our souls and it touches our lives. Did you have any specific scripture from the Lord where he said to you, listen, this is what I feel. This is what I think about you. Well, I mean, so many just about, you know, you are his masterpiece. You know, you are loved. You know, I am always with you. Um, there was one and it just escaped my mind that I wanted to share. Oh, I really clung to um, letting him be my defender Hmm. and um, justice will radiate like the sun. Um, I will fight for you. You only have to remain still. I just, I clung to those and just accepted the fact that I'm going to be judged, but God understands and knows the truth. And, you know, 
Mm. He's really the one fighting for me. Mm. Um, know, I'm, I'm going through these attorneys and things, but he's doing the fighting. Absolutely. You know, I've spoken to several other folk who've also been abused as children uh, and adults like yourself, and, and they tend to be consumed with guilt. Did you have this in your life? Did you feel guilty at any stage, Amy? Oh, my gosh. I felt so guilty. I felt like it was completely unacceptable what I allowed. Even though I grasped that I didn't want it, and even when I understood how it happened, I still did not think I could ever forgive myself and stop feeling guilty because I'm an adult. Mm. And so even though I don't understand it and even though I didn't want it, um, yes, I felt incredible guilt and shame. And it, it took years for that to heal. And it really took, you know, pouring into myself with God, with scriptures mm. and, you know, reaching out to other victims and realizing uh, there are so many other adult victims that that it's not just me, you mm. know, and that these are skilled predators. I had a, um, you know, my attorney said, you, I said, but this doctor worked with other people and, and they didn't get abused. And he said, because they weren't targeted. Mm -hmm. You know, once they set their sights on you, you know, they're really good at what they do in entrapping people. So, it, it, yes, it took a long time. I did feel guilty. Mm. But I have worked through that. Mm. Scripture says that uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. You initially went to the psychologist, to your therapist, uh, because you had you know, mental problems. You had depression in your life, uh, Amy. How did you overcome that depression? The, the depression was really overcome through that process of um, letting God speak to me and um, just pouring out everything to him that I thought about myself and letting him change those broken rules that I had and replace them with new rules. That was really the heart of how I got rid of the depression. Mm -hmm. um, and the, you know, along with that came the forgiveness of self and the letting go of that shame and self-hatred, which I think was the core of my mm -hmm. depression mm -hmm. that stemmed from past sexual abuse. Exactly right, I think, yes. Wow. Could be somebody listening to you today, a young woman, perhaps even a, a young guy listening up, and, and they're facing a similar situation. They, maybe they feel they're being groomed, but they can't get out of it. What's your advice? My advice is that you have to tell. I tried to get out on my own just to, because I, didn't, I was so ashamed of what was happening. I didn't want to tell, but you have to reach out because the, the hold these predators can have on you is so strong. And I also always like to say you have to keep telling until someone hears you because the first person I went to chose to blow it off and not believe me, didn't want to deal with it. And it was extremely painful and I stayed longer in the abuse. And so you need to keep telling until someone hears you because mm. someone will. Mm. Very good. Uh, and uh, just in closing, Amy, it's been wonderful speaking to you. Tell us a little bit about your book and how we can get a hold of it. Yes, it's called Preyed Upon, Breaking Free from Therapist Abuse. And you can go to my website, which is www.amynordhuesnordhuesasinsam.com, and you can buy an autographed copy there, and I send a gift with um, one of my scriptures and photography. Or you can go to Amazon and get the ebook, or you can go to Amazon and wherever else paperback books are sold. Fantastic. Again, that website, amynorthews.com. I'll, uh, I'll bring you up to speed with that again towards the end of the show. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining us today. I pray God's blessing upon you and that uh, you'll continue to recover and God will give you opportunity to share your story with many others and that you may sow into their lives. Thank you for joining us today on The Reality. Thank you. 
It was my pleasure today to talk with Amy Nordhues, author and speaker, to find out a little bit about her life and how Jesus rescued her from a life of abuse. You may have been listening up today and you find yourself in a similar situation. Please don't let a minute go by without seeking help. Speak to somebody that you trust. You can contact me, if you like, by email, dudley at surereality.net. I would love to hear from you. And if you'd like to make contact with Amy, then go to her website, amynordhues.com. That is A-M-Y-N-O-R-D-H-U-E-S dot com. You know, the Bible says that we need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. To remind us that the Lord loves us and cares for us, and that He looks after us. Psalm 68 verse 5 says, A father to the fatherless and a defender of widows is the Holy One in His habitation. God's word to you today. The Reality is produced by a listener-supported radio ministry called Sure Reality. Find out more and how you can become a vision partner at the website surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you as always, keep your eyes on Jesus. God bless. God bless.